<laughs> folks. <laughs> Mary just snuck it in there. I love it. <laughs> oh, man. You liked your Good afro. Good job. Good job. That was back in my seminary days. I had a big afro. <laughs> you were the black sheep, huh? I was. I did not fit in. <laughs> See, and I feel like we all have something in common here. I felt like the black sheep my whole life. <laughs> That's uh, fantastic. <laughs> what did you think, Audrey? What's on your mind? What's that? What's on your oh, mind? I don't know. I was, I, I was still stuck back at Afros and Black Sheep, and I was thinking about how oftentimes the Black Sheep are world changers. So let's go. <laughs> yes. So we were kind of having this conversation about like some of the concepts and teachings that are really unhelpful in regards to healing from abuse. So there's some posts out there publicly by Hope and Duick on Facebook. And, and let me just read you an excerpt from one of the abuse awareness meetings. It says they were held in February 22, 2020 in Northeast Missouri. When the wife of a perpetrator learns how hard, how hard it is for her husband to overcome and supports him to overcome, even when he still fails, he can better overcome. God is the only person that can change anyone. Quoted by Harley Miller on a woman's view of being molested. What are your thoughts about that? Is that helpful or harmful? Or are you neutral? Hit it, Audrey. I can tell you're, <laughs> you're ready to go. <laughs> let it out. Is it helpful, harmful? Or? I mean, this is it's it's exceedingly harmful because I mean, whenever you put that type of responsibility on a woman, you're basically making her responsible for the marriage. You're you're essentially saying that she's responsible for the marriage the same way Christ is the head of the church and it's completely backwards. It's never does a woman's it, responsibility to heal her husband ever. Does it give accountability for the perpetrator of the abuse? Like, does, like does what give accountability putting, putting that on the shoulders of, of the woman? The wife? Yes. No, not at all. Yeah. Okay. The, the, Especially, especially if she's being, yeah, I mean, if she's being abused um, in that marriage, uh, how, how in the world does that provide any kind of accountability for the abuser? You know, like what provides accountability is handcuffs. Because what he did is a criminal. Mm -hmm. Right. And, right. And that's, that's where he belongs. So primarily, you know, I feel like some mm -hmm. of the resources people need is like they need to know and understand that if nothing else, and you don't have access to call like a sheriff's department, you can always call 911 and just say, I don't know what other number to call. It's yeah. not an emergency right the second, et cetera, et cetera. But this is what happened to me. And the good thing too about 911 too is that it's recorded. It's, um, uh, you know, it, it, there's a, there's a transcript of it. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I think that that's really important too. Uh, you may not feel like it's an emergency, but it well could be an emergency. Yep. It really. So, yeah. Yeah. 
But and often if you're and often if you're in a, a victim in a situation like that, you are unable to even define what an emergency is. Right. Well, then that's because you don't. Yeah. You don't know. I would say I was in crisis. I didn't know I was in crisis because I always lived in crisis. Mm-hmm. You're they yeah, I mean, trained that it's normal. Yeah, I mean, I'll give I'll give an example of this, and it's just the it's the the brainwashing and and you know using love as a weapon, uh, which is what abusers do, right? They say I, I'm doing this because I love you, um, or I'll stop mm-hmm. doing this because I love you. Well, if you loved me, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have hit me in the first place or raped me or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but we you know we had a neighbor who was being badly abused um, by her boyfriend who lived right across from my my office, and this guy. I mean, he was violent. He's actually in prison right now um, for beating the living crap out of her. Um, I had called the police on him multiple times, and, and they always came. You know, they were they were always great, but their hands were tied uh, because they're not the justice system. They're not a court. Mm-hmm. Um, so they would come. They would make an arrest. But, you know, he would pull knives on her. He would threaten her. He would, um, you know, just, I mean, out in the street very publicly, uh, screaming at her, berating her. And... um she showed up on my doorstep at the church one day and she said, uh, you know, he's cheating on me with all these women, but he said that, um, he said that he loves me and, and, uh, and I'm going to stay with him. And I'm like, let me, let me stop you a second. He doesn't love you. I hear what he says about you. I hear how he treats you worse than, than people treat animals. Um, he's, he, he admits that he's cheating on you and he demands that you stay with him. Um, that's not what love is. So she was literally living in crisis and she ended up almost losing her life, literally. Um, and she didn't even know it. Well, the thing about it is, is that when you live in fight or flight mode for so long, mm-hmm. that is your normal. That is your baseline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have you trained to believe that it is normal to fear for your life on a regular basis because of the perpetrator. Or perpetrators. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and they have you brainwashed to believe that it's okay to treat people that way. And they do this and you don't understand. And because most go ahead. And because most survivors were in some type of traumatic, you know, had some type of traumatic childhood, they don't have a baseline for what's normal. And so they often go from traumatic childhood to traumatic relationships from abuse to abuse, from the frying pan to the fire. And they never even, they can't even recognize it. I mean, I know that's what happened to me. I went from the frying pan to the fire and had no idea. I mean, I truly believe, you know, this guy loved me and that he was, you know, spiritual. I mean, good. He stood up there and preached on Sunday and had devotions and taught Sunday school. And, you know, but, and we're, as a society, we're not taught to recognize emotional abuse we all look around and we go, Oh, he's pulling a knife on her. Oh, he's got a gun or, Oh, he's got his, you know, his, he's choking her. You know, we recognize the physical side of it, but very few people are actually trained in, in emotional and psychological abuse as a whole, as, as a society. I mean, our media inundates us with it all the time. They use psychological manipulation every single day. We don't recognize it. And so then when we, when there's victims who aren't bleeding or who aren't dying and calling 911 and, and going to visit the ER, we don't think it's that big a deal, especially when they're perpetrators standing in church. 
and so we how how can the public how can the how can they even reach out for help and reach out for resources if the public as a whole doesn't doesn't even realize the crisis that they're in that is an excellent question which is why i've always said this is the child sex abuse problem is not just a plain communities problems it's not just a religious problem it's a american problem because part of the problem is is yes there are people that romanticize the amish and the plain people and and they're in positions of power where they do not do the appropriate things but there are also those same people who will then like look at the media look at josh duggar look at that case they knew when he was 14. yeah and and what did they do they gave him a church work camp did they do anything any qualified program that is run by the state that is supposed to provide rehabilitation for child sex offenders did they do any of that no no and the, yeah and and the corruption i mean not to sound because conspiratorial because this is just fact but the the state police the the trooper who uh who took Josh in, who interviewed Josh when he was 14, was later arrested for, for uh, child pornography charges. Um, you know, and he's the one who held Josh's fate um, in the whole family's hands. So the family failed him. Um, the, the state police failed him. The courts failed him. Uh, you had a judge who ordered that his records be expunged and be destroyed. Um, so, I mean from the very top, from the judge to the state trooper, to the family, to the Christian, you know, quote unquote, Christian therapy center, which was a joke. They weren't qualified to take a 14 year old predator. They weren't qualified. Thank they should have, they should have turned Josh Duggar away and said, this is way beyond our scope. I do it all the time, right? People come into my office mm -hmm. and they ask for help in different areas. And I'm like, not my area. <laughs> I'm not an expert in that area. And I will not take you. I will not sit with you. I will not pretend that I'm a counselor when I'm not because it's not my area. And that's what that quote unquote Christian center should have done for Josh Duggar. Everybody failed the, the victims in that. The, everybody. Everybody. And, and that's the sad part. So where was the social mm -hmm. services yes, worker? Where was the guardian right. ad litem? Where was it? Where, where are these people that are mm -hmm. supposed to protect the victims? Mm-hmm. Where are these people? And not only did so many people fail them then, they're still failing them now. And I, I watched everything. I couldn't really address it publicly because I had so much other stuff going on in my own world. But when I watched it unfold the other week and I watched people attack Anna for staying with him, and I just wanted yep. to scream. I wanted to say, you yep. have not, you failed from the very beginning and society as a whole is now blaming her. like. Do you have any con society doesn't you know, have a con seem to have a concept of how brainwashed and trapped these women are? Like the blame yeah. doesn't belong there. No, There's which goes so right back to what Mary said at the very place. beginning, right? You know, it's even society. Society does it. Church does it. They put the blame on on the spouse and the responsibility, and said, "Well, Anna, you know, Anna should have left him. I mean, mm -hmm. she's a victim herself." She okay, is. so absolutely, I I do think Anna's a victim. Um, 
I know that society is blaming her for it. Uh, but here's the thing is somebody can have a porn addiction and not be a pedophile. Those are two distinctly different things. Can we clarify that? Like for a fact, they like how do they. So, so people are condemning her because she knew he had a porn addiction and that's why she had a porn tracker installed on his computer. And he went around and basically hacked the system and went around it and so had mm -hmm. his pedophilic materials on the computer. And so mm -hmm. people are condemning her for it, but it's like, here's the thing. It's like somebody having a porn addiction or somebody being a pedophile. That's like one of them is a crime here for sure. One may be yeah. a sin, but the other one is a crime for a fact. There's yeah. no ifs, ands, mm -hmm. or buts about it. So mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. feel it's right to even judge her for saying, like, you stayed with him when you knew he had a porn addiction. The porn addiction is not what is what caused the pedophilia. Thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly right. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, I yeah. mean, and again, in her defense, yeah. um, I don't think she knew that he was looking at child porn because it's not like he went to her and was like, Hey, I'm yeah. looking at these explicit, I mean, gruesome as the, um, the investigator said one of the, it was one of the top five worst of the worst that I've ever seen in my career. That's, that's, um, that was HSI Homeland security investigative unit. Do you want to know what kind of cases they have? I have a friend who's, who's in the HSI, who's, who's very high up in the HSI. And he just casually blurts stuff out. You know, when I talk to him on the phone and I'm like, I'm like, you know, at the end of it, I'm like, <laughs> Uh -huh. and, and this guy, this guy, HSI said, this was one of the top five worst of the worst mm -hmm. images that I've ever seen in my career. That's what Josh Duggar was consuming. I don't think he went to his wife and was like, honey, I'm looking at, you know, this is what I'm looking at. I'm going to put a blocker on my mm -hmm. computer. I'm going to, I'm going mean, to hack, sick. I'm going to hack your firewall that you put on there to not allow me to watch porn right. and I'm going to go do what I'm going to do. Yeah. And, yeah. But let's 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 back up a little bit here. Why in in God's name was she his accountability partner? Because that's what these churches do all right. the time. They try to make me my husband's accountability partner. They, that's not right. Like no that's woman right. should have to be their husband's accountability partner. If a woman has to be her husband's accountability partner, they should not be together. There is a much much bigger problem. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for pointing that out and 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 talking about that, Audrey. That is something that is really needed to address is the fact that like they, they do that to women. They make them be responsible for things. So here's the thing is like, as a, as a woman inside of an Amish community or, or a plain community, Audrey, you, you can probably attest to this. Like you're, you're not really supposed to make decisions. Like when you're in public, you, you allow the man to walk first and you have to follow after him. And you know, that whole, like you get the nod to get approval to do things. So you're not allowed to make any decisions, but you're the accountable person. Like it's so confusing. I don't understand this. Where does this make any kind of logical argument for any type of assistance for child sexual assault? Or holding perpetrators accountable. Well, or I mean, and then let's talk about victims. the whole. Let's talk about the whole, whole fact of well, then a woman just obviously if he has those problems, we're told routinely in that world that 
if he has those problems and the woman's not doing her part, she's obviously not giving him enough of what he needs. I mean, I just listened to a story the other day where she was told, well, honey, I'm sorry if you just had a baby and you can't give him sex. You need to be giving him hand jobs. She's six days from having a baby. I mean, it's so mentally warped, but in that world, it's so normal. Just because it's normal doesn't make it okay. No. No, absolutely I mean, not. Yeah, it's a really warped view. And, and you know, Sheila, Sheila Gregoire, we just had her on, on our podcast, and she wrote The Great Sex Rescue. And she talks about that, how this is so ingrained, this this whole mentality that it's the, it's, it's the wife's job, it's the woman's job to gratify her husband because, you know, men are just these sex um, hyped up animals who can't help themselves and you know if you don't gratify him he's gonna go get it elsewhere kind of thing and and it's your fault as a wife because you didn't you know you didn't satisfy your husband which is total bullcrap i have a question <laughs> and they're visually stimulated so the poor guys they're visually stimulated i, I mean yeah I, it's your fault if they look at you because <laughs> I know. let's I know. go back you're the pastor i know you're the pastor here let's go back to the to the foundational teaching of, of the Garden of Eden, okay? So they teach that a woman is created to be a helpmeet, which means in their world, a slave of a man, and that she was the one who deceived Adam. So can you talk to us about that? And, 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 and I think a lot of people have a subconscious misinterpretation of that, of that scripture, of that story, of the, the baseline of humanity. So how can you speak to that today? Yeah, I just read something the other day that I thought was really good, uh, where it where it kind of broke that down and and showed, um, like that view uh, that the woman was the one who you know she's the deceiver, she's the one who pulled her husband into that. He was minding his own business, and you know then she came along. You know, the little temptress um, <laughs> brought him into it, and and that was not. The streamline, you know, the mainline streamline view um, for centuries. That was not that was not the the quote unquote biblical or Christian view. Um, that was introduced later in these extreme periods of patriarchal leadership, um, where men ruled the roost. You know, and the you had these Bible scholars who started uh, warping their interpretation of that and saying, you know, see. You know, she's the one who seduced him. Uh, it was it was the woman who seduced the man. And that's not if you go back and you forget everything that we know about these patriarchal systems. And I grew up, you know, in a very patriarchal uh, culture, too. You know, conservative churches always lean towards uh, this patriarchal um, men are at the forefront. Women are kind of in the background. You know, they know their place kind of thing. And it's just a sick, twisted um, warped view of both men and women um, who are equals in God's kingdom. <laughs> they always are. Um, and it, it, so, you know, anyway, back to Genesis. Um, I don't remember everything about this article because it was, it was pretty lengthy, but, uh, you know, he was basically saying like, you know, both the man and the woman had an equal role in uh in being tempted and being um, enticed and that it was Satan who was drawing them in. He knew how to draw them in. It wasn't, it wasn't that she, 
because she was deceived first, she's now the seductress. And so, you know, men beware because women are little hussies who, who will tempt you. Like, that's not the point of that story in Genesis. It's just not. <laughs> it's such a work view. It's so weird. Mm -hmm. And when you start with that basic foundation of that being taught to to children from the time they're they're born and and carry that into adulthood through through church life look at what it's producing it's producing yeah. women who who believe who don't believe in who they really are and it's men who think that they're entitled and they can do whatever they please and we yeah. wonder why we have this crisis yeah we're literally teaching women that they're for men that should be used the only thing they're good for is is sex and and keeping men fed because you know the weight of their hearts they're for stomach. the pregnant pardon my sarcasm here but uh, you know it's just it's mm -hmm. so twisted i have a hard time even taking it serious anymore it, it, it's a completely warped view and we're raising them all the way through their formative years and then we wonder why we're why we are where we are well then not only that when you start talking about we're only good for keeping men fed etc cetera, etc cetera, like as soon as you start cooking as an Amish girl like you see your I was told you're gonna make a you're gonna have a really fat husband someday and I'm just like I was a small child like I was literally a child like I was a child who talks to their children that way right who does yeah, it's that so messed up so I feel like they add, they add to it. There's, there's more than just like, there's the base foundation and then there's more, there's little ways along the way that they literally program these children. So my question to you guys is, is how do we combat the programming? How do we get through the program and get to a healthier place for ourselves? I mean, I'm, I'm really big on calling out this warped theology, and I talk about that in my book, right? Like, call out people who have this sick, twisted theology and ask people the most basic question. Go back to the basics. Ask people the most basic um, foundation. If they're Christians and they're spewing this crap, ask them, all right, you're so smart about how men are the quote-unquote head of the household. They're the spiritual leader of the household, which is totally nonsense, too. Um you're so smart in all things Bible. What is God's foundation? Just let's start there, you know? And I will almost guarantee you 99% of the time, they're not going to be able to answer that most basic question. And it's righteousness and justice, you know? Uh, they will not be able to answer that question. And so my comeback is if you can't even, if you can't even answer the most basic foundation of who God is, and you're building all this theology on 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 some other foundation. Go away. Get lost. <laughs> like I'm, I don't want to listen to you. <laughs> well, you know it's sad because we've created a society where we've reduced men to animals and women to slaves, and so we've stripped yeah. men of their manhood. We've stripped women of their femininity and their individuality, and we've created a culture that's powerless to dig themselves out of the own pit that they created. But there has to be a way forward. Yeah. Well, there has to be. And I think part of it starts by, you know, um, one, um, deconstructing from that type of theology. And for me, I always find it important to make sure that I tell people, like, it doesn't matter 
if your mental health provider is a Christian or is not a Christian. What matters mm -hmm. is that they have the, the, they are qualified. And when I say yeah. qualified, I don't mean go down to the church next door and ask the pastor for counseling. That may not necessarily be what you need. What you need to do is you need to go um, find people that are qualified to trauma therapists that deal with PTSD, complex and chronic PTSD. Because when you grow up that way, you're more than likely going to end up with complex and chronic PTSD. It's caused by repeated, consistent, traumatic events. And when you spend your formative years with that, what do you get? It's kind of like basic science here. Yeah. I mean, you bring up a great point too, Mary, because there's this, uh, it's not only the, the degrading of uh, women and children within extremely conservative circles, uh, but it's the degrading of sec all things secular. So, um, you know, the, the saying that I, I grew up mm -hmm. hearing all the time and I still hear it and it drives me nuts is, well, we're going to seek out Christian people and Christian people only because otherwise it's just man's opinion instead of God's word. And I'm like, <laughs> well, there are, there are people who are fall out. I mean, radical atheists who are brilliant people who are smarter than me, smarter than you, smarter than, you know, a lot of people who have a lot to offer us. They have a lot of wisdom. Um, they, uh, they may know a lot about trauma. So don't, don't talk to them as if they're these, you know, bumbling idiots. Um, link hands with people who are, who are, uh, non-Christians, right? Link, link arms with them and learn from them grow. Um, because Why I feel like conservative. God, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. I was just going to ask, why is Christian conservative Christian culture so terrified of science and psychology? I, I think, I think, uh, Logic I think yeah, facts cannot distort. They, it, it, it can't. When you live in the distorted reality, logic and facts attack your reality. And I think too, it's, it, it's emasculating for, People who who really truly believe that men are, I mean, they are the they're the smart ones, they're the uh, they're the trained ones, they're the ones who have the authority to speak, they're the spiritual leaders of the house, um, they're the head of the house, they're the head of the church, you know, all this stuff. When they truly believe that, um, educated, not just educated women, but educated people pose a really great risk to them, and and it's a risk. And if, you know, if you know abusers. Um, the, the worst thing for an abuser, besides for being outed as, as an abuser, is to be made to look dumb in front of other people publicly, to be made to look dumb. They can't mm -hmm. stand it. That's the one thing that, that will enrage an abuser quicker than anything else, is if they're made to look stupid in front of other people. And then they usually take it out mm -hmm. on their victims. Yeah. That's, that's very exactly common. Right. They will escalate. Yep. Absolutely. The trajectory of escalation is yep. real people. If you find yourself in a relationship with somebody that the abuse increasingly gets worse, it goes from psychological abuse to physical abuse, to threats about life, to threats about kidnapping, et cetera, et cetera, stalking. 
please, please reach out to your local crisis intervention center. Um, yeah. I think I think we were trying to make this a little bit shorter and we're at about 28 minutes. So we probably got like two minutes left. Do y'all have parting thoughts on like what people should be doing? If you see somebody being abused or you feel like they might be. I mean, I'll, I'll just echo what you said at the beginning, you know, call, call a crisis intervention center, or if you don't have phone numbers handy, just call 911. Um, the, you know, I just said this uh, the other day, I was, I was the guest on a podcast and um, you know, most, most of the listeners are, are teenagers. Um, and so I was asked, what would be your message be for teens um, who are, who are, who are being exploited in some way uh, by an abuser? And, and my message to them was, even though somebody has authority over you, a school teacher, um, you know, a pastor, whoever it is, even though somebody has authority over you because of their position and their age, you have far more power than they do by speaking up because they don't want to be outed as an abuser. And when these guys, when these creeps are sending you text messages and asking you for images and all this stuff, um, think twice before before you get intimidated into sending them and just make those texts public. Mm -hmm. You'll watch them you'll watch them scurry really quick and you'll watch them panic. Um, you have far more power over your abuser than you think you do. Um, so uh, start turning the tables on them if it's safe to do so. Uh, if it's physically safe to do so. And I know that there's that's a huge caveat and it's um, Safety is your number one concern, but you know yes. if somebody's not if somebody's nonviolent and you know they're nonviolent, um, start to out them. Yep, and and you know well, and so a lot of times these abusers come across uh, they're bullies and they come across with violent threats. Um, that doesn't mean they're going to be violent. Most of them are cowards, and your voice is your most powerful asset. And whether you're the victim or whether you're an onlooker. If even as an onlooker, if you see something, use your voice. You, it's better that you use your voice and then it be innocuous than you use your voice or that you fail to use your voice and then it turns out to be something far different than what you realize. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. I appreciate you coming. Have a good day. Absolutely. Bye.